So I have the opportunity, I have the honor today to bring God's Word to you. So I'm going to have you uh, open your Bibles, if you have Bibles, to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, we're going to be looking at two passages, two different pieces to uh, what Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God like? If you don't have a Bible, ushers will be able to provide for one for you. So if you want to just uh, have, put your hand up and uh, they'll note that for you. And I just want to also, if you have smartphones, you can use whatever you want. I'm really intentional about not putting the, the words on the screen, the scripture, because I really believe that we, in this day of technology, can lean to that, but actually, we just need to go to the word. So here's the word, and I'm actually going to take the word and uh, open it, and I'm going to have you stand as we read together these uh, two uh, uh, parables that Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 13. And this is going from verse 24 to 30, first of all. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field, in your field? When did the weeds, where did the, where did the weeds come from? The enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles and to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. And let's move down to uh, another scripture a bit later on in that chapter, the parable of the net. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into a lake and, all kinds of, of, and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord, as we um, look at this scripture, these scriptures today, these words from Jesus uh, these parables, Lord, help us uh, to have ears to hear, and may we may it land today, Lord. May these words I'm speaking just land in, in a way that would connect with the listener, and Lord, that we would be moved in the way that you want us to move, that we'd be inspired in the way we want to be should be inspired, and that ultimately, Lord, that we would uh, turn our eyes upon Jesus, the Author and Perfecter of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. So you can keep your Bibles open to, to the, that, those uh, particular chapter. I just want to uh, just highlight um, some uh, pieces to the chapter as an overview. I want to provide an overview for you in terms of what this chapter is talking about. There are six parables in the chapter 13, six different parables, each addressing the subject of the kingdom of heaven. Five out of the six parables Jesus 
opens the parable with these words, the kingdom of heaven is like. It is correct to assume that the vast majority of people who were listening to Jesus, the people that were in Jesus' audience when he was sharing these parables were of Jewish descent. And that's really very significant, and please hold on to that. That particular, the audience that Jesus is preaching to, talking to, sharing these parables to, the fact that they are of Jewish descent means a significant amount to what he's trying to communicate. Which leads me to my last point in terms of the overview. For Jesus to preface five out of six of the parables with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, he is reinforcing a truth he wants his listeners to hear. Now, in Bible study, or let's just talk about anything. If you're reading a book, you're reading a letter or an email, maybe more, and you see someone repeating a certain phrase more than once, maybe twice, maybe three times, most likely they're trying to get across something that's really important. They want you to hear something. And that's what Jesus is doing in this particular parable, in this particular chapter. And specifically, as we relate it to the parable of the weeds and net, it's because the Jewish audience understood the kingdom of heaven to be something that had to do with the hopes and expectations of Israel. They believed that one day, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would set up an earthly kingdom and the enemies of God, namely pagans, who they had to coexist with, would no longer be. That was their mentality. So as they were listening to Jesus' talk, about what the kingdom of heaven was like. This was something that was flying right against their belief system. They were thinking, and this is what I want to put up on the slide. Uh, N.T. Wright, um, a uh, New Testament scholar, which, which said this, and this is really a good way, a succinct way of really bringing out what I'm trying to say here. The first century Jewish use of the kingdom language is that it was bound up with the hopes and expectations of Israel, kingdom of God was not a vague phrase. It had nothing much, at least in the first instance, to do with what happened to human beings after they died. It was a simple Jewish way of talking about Israel's God becoming king. God's kingdom to the Jew in the village, the people that were listening to Jesus that day, what they were understanding the kingdom to be was it meant to be the coming vindication of Israel, victory over the pagans, eventual gift of peace, justice, and prosperity. Now, I need you to work with me on becoming, having that mentality, okay? Think about what the Jews were listening, were thinking about, what they had grown up to believe. And let's circle back and look at some of these scriptures again through the ears of these listeners who thought that the kingdom of God was going to be ushered in by God himself. And when, they, when God came in his power, we would, as Israel, be proven right. That we're the righteous, we're the supreme, and everybody else 
will be essentially annihilated. That's, that's the belief system that they had. So let's just look back to what we uh, read in these scriptures. And I'm just going to tick a few verses here. I'm not going to read all of the, of the parable, but I'm just going to, first of all, look down at verse 26 of, of chapter 13. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the seeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked, Do you want us to go and pull them out? And right off the bat right there, that's, that would be a natural response to someone who's thinking that there's a separation going to happen here. But what does the, what is the uh, um, person say back? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Very, very important. What is Jesus saying? They're gonna co- you're going to coexist together. It's not going to be us and them. It's not going to be that when the kingdom comes, that, you're, that you're, somehow these people are going to be wiped away. You're going to coexist with them. And this would have sent shockwaves into their belief system. They would have thought, this can't be. And I tell you right now, there's probably, if you're in a crowd and you hear someone talking, maybe presenting a new paradigm, something that's a little bit different way of looking, I, I, hung, I have a hunch that probably there would be murmurs, there'd be chatter, there would be something that said, what? What is he saying here? I mean, some of these people hadn't even figured out who Jesus was. And so here's this prophet. They're given kind of credit that he's a prophet, but actually he's saying something that's just completely against what we believe, what we think to be true. Now, let's go down to the parable of the net. Verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled up to the shore and they sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets but threw away the bad. Now, in both of these uh, parables, there is going to be a time, Jesus said, that there's going to be judgment. That's what the parables say. But what the important piece to look at here is that it is going to come a time. We don't know when that time is going to come. But the kingdom is here now, and, the, and this is where getting into the kingdom theology gets a little bit challenging at times because what Scripture teaches is about there's kingdom now and there's a, where the kingdom is coming. It's, it's now and future. What the, um, the hearers of this particular parable or parables we're hearing was that their hopes and dreams were in the fact that God's going to come, hopefully sooner than later, and he's going to take care of those pagans. He's going to wipe out evil and deal with it. Deal with it. Jesus has given a completely different message. He's saying that the good fish and the bad fish, the net's going to be cast, the good fish and the bad fish are going to be collected. They would have a hard time with that. You can't be true. You can't be, that can't be true. We're the righteous, they're the pagans. So this is what Jesus is teaching, and this is where I want us to land with today. Three things that I believe that Jesus is saying in these parables. First of all, the kingdom of heaven coexists with evil. 
The kingdom of heaven is not geographical or political in nature. And third, one day, future tense, the sin and evil will be destroyed by God's appointed agents, his angels. You know, one little last point about the listeners of that day. They would have thought that um, they would have thought that they're somehow part of the judgment. You know? So I'm not sure if um, you're getting that point, but I was because I, we have a little visitor on stage, but that's okay. We'll continue on. That we want to uh, just note that they would have been actually uh, thinking that somehow they were part of that judgment. So to think that that there could be if someone that God was appointing someone, his angels, to be agents of that judgment, that would have also gone against what they believed. So now, hopefully, what I've done is created of context, created uh, the the setting, created what has been what how the listeners of that particular day would have listened, and how the context of how they listened to this particular these particular uh, parables. Now, I want to bring it home to us, and I want to start with myself. As someone who has been a follower of Jesus most of my life, raised in the church, and I've heard about the kingdom of God, I find myself asking God some questions as they pertain, particularly as I've gone through this particular, these parables. And I'm wondering, as I read these questions out, whether these would resonate with you. Maybe not all of them, but some of them would. And maybe they would resonate with you. The first question is, do I have a separatist attitude toward people who promote values and behaviors and attitudes that directly oppose God's kingdom? Now, we certainly wouldn't have quite the same attitude, the same purpose that the audience of Jesus uh, audience of Jesus that day would have heard or had. But I believe that there is something in all of us that because perhaps we walk this faith road for a period of time, perhaps we're just thinking, yeah, we're, we're okay. You know, we're righteous. And we look upon folks who are not believing, not promoting the same values we have, and there's a bit of an elite attitude. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm just calling, I'm just bringing it up to us to think that perhaps there's something in us, if there's something in the Jews that day, perhaps there's something in us that brings about some form of elite, religious elitism, perhaps. Another question that I have that maybe resonates with you is, am I growing weary and impatient with the evil that I see manifested today? Am I growing weary and impatient with the evil that is manifested today? I believe that resonates with some of us. We are seeing a lot of stuff out there that's really uh, breaking our heart, It's making us feel like maybe discouraged. Maybe you came in this morning and you're just overwhelmed by what you're hearing, by what you're seeing. 
that perhaps is bringing some despair to you. I, I this morning in my uh, scripture reading, I, I read from Scripture Union's Encounter with God, and the psalm that I was directed to this morning was Psalm 12. Uh, and I want to just point, just want to just highlight that for you, what, what the psalmist was saying, which is along the lines of what I was saying about being in despair. Verse, if you want to turn to Psalm 12, verse 1, Psalmist says, Help, Lord, for the godly are no more, and the faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Some of the things that we might be hearing, seeing, and experiencing in our world. Now, he jumps down to verse 5. If you have your Bibles open to chapter 12, and God's response to the psalmist was, because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. I just want to read some comments from this commentator. because they, they can't, I was wanting today for this message to land in such a way that it made some relevance to where we're at. And this is what it says. This is what the commentator says. I sometimes think our modern world is swamped with words of lying politicians, a media hostile toward God's people, and no one cares for the poor or oppressed, and little evidence that anyone lives a godly life. When we despair of the state of our present world and are tempted to think that God has forgotten us, the psalm brings a calm assurance that God will arise and protect the deliverer. And his agents, we are his agents. We have the role of bringing virtue into this world. The only thing necessary for a triumph of evil, as we've heard, is that good men do nothing. It is no youth withdrawing or just condemning wickedness. We, too, are to defend the poor and the needy and provide the vulnerable with safety. I could, right now, just leave that in your, your hearts and minds. I just want to just finish off with a few things that bring this home just a bit more. Because I really found that really resonated with me as someone who is inundated with bad news constantly. And we can, at times, as, as believers, followers of Jesus, um, grow weary. One of the other questions I have that I'm thinking about and I bring to God is say, is the kingdom of God making a difference? In a day, in a day when there's a, we live in a pluralistic culture and finds the gospel as extremely relevant, most of the folks that you rub shoulders with today would say that the gospel of Christ is extreme. If, they, if you really push into what we are saying about the gospel and what God, Christ is calling people to, they would say that's too extreme and, by the way, not relevant for me. There's other things that are more relevant than hearing about the gospel. And so those are types of things that might resonate with us as we're listening to this message. And so we ourselves may be finding that as we are hearing these words about the kingdom of heaven, what I really want to do as we just finish off is just to bring some words of encouragement to you. Because I think could be wrong, but I think 
that we come into uh, this church today, Hillside, and I have a sense, I think, believe God's saying this, that I think there's, we, we're, we're feeling discouraged. I think we feel sometimes beaten up by what's, what's happened out there. And we just need to hear God speaking to us and what he wants you and wants me to do in response to a world that is not godly, a world that has really turned their back on God, into a world that's pluralistic, that really sees so many different ways to get to God. I want us to think and pray through this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that prayer every day. And I ask God, what, do you, what does that look like? What does, what does it look like to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And these are some thoughts that I'll leave with you. First of all, it means that God is sovereign. That he has not lost control of what is happening in this world. I'm going to say it again, because I sometimes think we do. God is sovereign, and he's not lost control of what has happened in this world. That he will one day bring judgment, and completely destroy evil and injustice. He will eliminate the exploitation of the vulnerable. Things that get under our skin and see people who are vulnerable just being exploited. He's going to get rid of that. But until that day comes, until that day comes, we are called to coexist with people who do not share our values, who are opposed our ways of thinking. And you and I, as citizens of God's kingdom, we're called to be agents of reconciliation. That's what we're called to be. Forgiving from the heart those who do wrong, yet at the same time insisting on truth and responsibility. That's a tension we have to live with. Let me repeat that again. That as agents of reconciliation, when we're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Lord, as an agent, not of judgment, but an agent of reconciliation, I need to forgive from my heart those who do wrong, but at the same time insist on truth and responsibility. What that's saying is that we don't need to retreat. We're not called to retreat. We're not called to just become apathetic and say, what's the use? We're called to have, hold truth and hold people to responsible, but do it in love. That's where we falter, and that's what I want to go back to the, the people that were in Jesus' audience that day. There was no love in that thinking. It was about domination. It was about wiping out people. It was about destruction of people. God's chosen people that God loves, there was no love in that. What God is calling us to do is to be reconcilers of his love. You know, I want to just bring some words of encouragement to you that I, that I think God wants you to hear about 
what he sees Hillside doing and how I really believe that you are doing, you are being agents of reconciliation. You are, God is really pleased with you because you're doing things in this community that really demonstrate that kind of love and that reach out to the community through the vegetable and bread ministry, through the Christmas hampers that we do every year, through the refugee initiative that we've, where a committee has formed together and brought a family, the Asas, to our community and have helped them assimilate into Coquitlam, into the Tri-Cities, into Canadian culture. There's the global outreach of people who are out in uh, representing Hillside to uh, peoples around the world. There is the, um, the initiative that you have taken upon yourself where you've chosen to take money, money that was given to the church, on perhaps people that you gave that money to, and you blessed communities, you blessed schools, you blessed uh, different programs, you blessed share the family services, lots of things that you're doing. And I want you to know that God is pleased with you. He is. And I believe he's also pleased with what, God, what, he's, what we're doing with the Share family, uh, Food Bank on Wednesdays. I believe that's another way of demonstrating uh, being an agent of reconciliation. I want us to turn as we close, to Romans chapter 14, verses, and just read one verse, verse 17 of, of Romans 14. For the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of joy in the Holy Spirit. When I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that, you're praying that righteousness and joy and peace would flow from myself, yourself, from Hillside Church, from the Tri-City Churches, the churches across Canada, the churches across the world. That's what we're praying for, that God's righteousness would flow, that his peace, which is somewhat we so desperately need, peace in this world, and we can pray for that. I believe that God is growing Hillside Church to be more international, more multiracial, more culturally and richly diverse. And we're doing that because we're listening to the call of the kingdom to be, rec to be the agents of reconciliation. I'll have us, Lincoln come up and, and lead us in a, um, a song. I hope that this has landed somewhere where you're at and that you take these words of encouragement from God, but you uh, maybe, maybe, maybe raise more questions for you, but that's okay because that's what we need to be doing with Scripture. But uh, let's just um, listen to the song. Let's, let's sing along, and then I'll have a benediction. May you grow, not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So be encouraged. Be inspired to go forth from this place 
and do what God's called you to do through being an agent of reconciliation into your neighbors, to your business place, wherever you might be called. Blessings on you. May be seated. So we're going to switch gears a bit here. I'm going to try to switch gears as best I can. Um, uh, we just have a very unique opportunity this morning to uh, celebrate a couple 